prayer before we get started on, on this message. So let's have a moment of prayer here. Hey, welcome to the visitors, Daniel Leeds and Lamar, your family. Glad you could uh, come worship with us. I'm glad you're here. And for everybody else visiting too, uh, some more regulars, welcome. I thought it was neat. Uh, Brother Jonathan shared some verses from 1 Corinthians 13, and the title of my message is 1 Corinthians 13. I just thought, what are the odds, uh, the mathematical odds that of all the chapters he would recite or cite, um, him and I would have the same one as far as uh, in our messages. So that's neat. Uh, that's probably pretty small odds. But that's the title. It's 1 Corinthians 13, as known, also known as the uh, love chapter. And I didn't uh, choose this chapter because of February. I, I, it was just simply coincidence. It was not because of the, the, uh, the hearts holiday. Even though, uh, you know, we should have love from our hearts, of course. What an awesome chapter is chapter 13, a love chapter written to a group of Christians who had lots of issues. Paul had to deal with some controversy there in 1 Corinthians, but I would say, brothers and sisters, that they weren't too much different than us who have problems and challenges today, and, and Paul gave them some powerful exhortations to, to give them... Uh, uh, a right focus on, on the Christian life in the middle of uh, discussions of divorce, remarriage, fornication, tongues, gifts, uh, excommunication, some heavy, heavy stuff. He, he puts in here a wonderful, powerful chapter that, that we would do well to just actually study every day. In fact, I was reading Howard Bean's book where he, he cites the example of a, a missionary uh, who was brought to task for his unloving critical attitude and the mission board, I believe it was a mission board or church board, told him, you can stay on, but you have to do one thing and you've got to read First Corinthians 13 every single day. And he agreed to do that and it changed him. Of course, just reading the Bible doesn't alone change. You have to make the choice to obey God's word. But that just shows how great of a chapter this really is as it reminds us of the practical aspects of loving each other. So we're going to look at that. Turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 13 with me. As Jonathan uh, read there, uh, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me, what? Nothing. Lots of good stuff there, good gifts, talents, skills, but if you don't have love, uh, we're nothing. <laughs> that's that's quite, a, quite a statement from Brother Paul there. 
So my first observation here, uh, brothers and sisters, is that love is greater than skills. But how often do we swap the two in our daily uh, living with family, friends, and uh, co-workers? We put our skills above our need to love. Uh, I think it's safe to say that we, we uh, get, maybe get sidetracked with a, with a task at hand or with our, with our particular skills, and we forget to love somebody. And Paul uh, must have seen that problem in the Corinthian church, some, some gifted people who, who were not loving. And so as important as uh, prophecy, mysteries, knowledge, and faith is in benevolence, as important as these things are, love is more important than skills. So let's remember that. That was just point one I had noted. Moving on to point two. Is, I just wrote, you know, patience is huge. It's a huge part of love. Uh, what's the first thing? Charity suffereth long. I looked it up and, and just, it is, uh, the word in Greek is uh, long-suffering. Probably a better word there in other translations will just say patience. Charity suffereth long, or we might say is patient. And I just noted how this comes up again in, in these, defini- these definitions of love here in the next several verses. Almost as if to say that this could trip us up. Because, uh, brothers and sisters, I think impatience is a, is a powerful feeling of, of, uh, of justification. And why do I say it? Because... Uh, it's so easy uh, every day. Maybe you should note this in, in your week next week. Just the, uh, the daily temptation to get irritated or impatient with those around you. And of course, who lives, next to you, who lives with you would be your family, your friends, your co-workers, your husband, your wife, your, your dad, your mom, your brother and sister. It almost seems like it's not a big deal to uh, get impatient, to lose it. Because after all, uh, they're irritating you. But just note that, how that's not a part of the definition of love. In fact, if, if you are impatient, I'm going to go so strong as to say, like with John, the Apostle John, we've been studying in, um, in our chapters in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, if, if you don't love your brother, you actually hate your brother, right? So if you're not patient with your brother or sister, you actually hate them. Even though our feeling, though, I don't know if you're, if you're like me, but in my feeling of being impatient, I feel very uh, justified, very uh, <laughs> right to do so. But Paul here is reminding the Corinthian church and us to be patient, to be suffering long. In fact, including that definition is to be slow to anger. Now, we're going to look at a few poor examples. I wrote down, I think, about six. I think six I hear uh, here in this... Uh, Discussion of love, uh, just characters in the Bible who didn't show patience. And it was, a, it was a major mistake. But we can make the mistake too. Even though it doesn't seem that big of a deal, Paul listed the first thing. And he, he seems to underscore other parts of love with this idea of uh, getting angry easy or getting impatient easy. It's a strong feeling of, of, of frustration because other people aren't doing what we're, what we're doing. And um, I love how, I, th- I think, Brother Jeremy, yeah, you, you shared in, your, uh, in our Sunday school how, if I got this right, how many Christians fall to pride? In fact, uh, I wrote down here, the uh, enemies of love, anger, selfishness, and pride. And if you think of the word asp, 
the, the, uh, the poisonous snake. It's coiled up. Referred in the book of Romans, the, the uh, poison of asses under their tongues. And just ASP, these are enemies of love. And impatience is really a reflection of anger, selfishness, and pride. So that was my second point was how patience is huge in the definition of love. And yet it can be deceptive because so many of us around us, kind of like if everybody's doing it, it doesn't seem to be that bad. But uh, I like what you said there, brother, that pride, which is really a, a, a root of a, one of our impatient attitudes, is, um, is a downfall of Christians. And yet you can have such, uh, such wonderful gifts. We just sang a song from a famous Christian, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And, and yet if I were to read the writings of Martin Luther, just taking him at his word, because what else do we have to go by? I don't know the man personally, of course. Taking him at his word, how he contended with people who disagreed with him, how he viewed uh, Jewish people who didn't believe in Christianity, I would say he was a very impatient man. I don't know what else to conclude. If you tell me, hey, really, you should have known him better, what else do I know but his writings? And uh, how he disputed with people who disagreed with him, he showed himself to be super impatient. And yet, he is, you know, he's... he's uh, given uh, credit in history as starting the Reformation. But if you don't have patience, brother, if he was a brother in Christ, I hope he was, it, profits, it profited him nothing. Maybe he repented of it later, but his writings do not reflect a patient man. All right, we're going to look at the Scripture. And if you, uh, afterwards and, and, and throughout the week, if you think of other individuals uh, who had pa- lacked patience, hey, just note that as we think about the importance of love. Okay, here we go. Our first individuals, I just wrote down Adam and Eve. Did you know, would you notice with me how Adam and Eve uh, lacked some patience? Number one, in how they went about with this temptation with Satan. Uh, granted, they weren't showing impatience towards a human being, but they seemed to show impatience towards uh, the temptation as far as not going to God. They, they just uh, reached that fruit, what seemed to be so Im, uh, impulsively, but I think even worse than that was when God confronts Adam. Adam just is quick to uh, justify himself. And rather than uh, patiently taking his uh, punishment, Adam is, is quick to defend himself. I'm just going to say uh, our ancestors were impatient people. Grabbing the fruit rather than asking God, hey, we have, uh, we have this uh, snake here telling us one thing, but instead lust wants it now. That's really a, a, another root problem of impatience is, is you want it now, and, and you better have it now. So Adam and Eve would be a negative example. How they were confronted and how they, re, how they responded was, was an impatient spirit too, I would say. Moving on. Let me turn my notes here. I... Oh, this, this one is, a, this is actually a surprise. In fact, we talked about this super spiritual man in our Sunday school. For those of you that weren't here, uh, a great argument was made about his body even. A wonderful, godly man. Some fascinating traits he had. He had uh, just Holy Spirit endowed gifts. Seemed, I mean, he seemed to, have, not granted it was the Old Covenant, but he had uh, just uh, miracle-working uh, gifts around. You know, his, his ministry was powerful, and yet... What was the thing that kept him out of the promised land? In a moment of impatience, seemingly, he 
told these rebels, I'm going to paraphrase, okay, you rebels, must we fetch you water? And I would, I would almost say, yeah, amen. And right, I mean, he's had it with these, uh, these rebels. In the book of Numbers, there are lots of rebels. But God was not pleased with Moses' disobedience. I, I would just say it was, a, it was a moment of impatience. And God said, you did not sanctify me before the people. And because of that, uh, as uh, Brother Chuck shared, I don't, I don't think he lost heaven, of course. I, I think he really failed, though, to honor God before the people because of his impatient uh, attitude. And God says, yeah, you rebelled against me. Was it Kadesh Barnea or wherever it was? Uh, not for certain where the location there, but Moses failed to be patient to his own people, even though they, they, they would have uh, irritated him, but, but God said, you're not going to come in the promised land. Another individual I noted, and we discussed too in Sunday school, was Balaam. Just how impatient he was towards his donkey. And God was uh, upset at Balaam, and he, uh, the angel, or... or Perhaps Christ's manifestation said, uh, I would have kept the donkey alive, but I was ready to kill you. But Balaam was impatient towards his own beast. And the donkey, what a story. The donkey speaks to him and says, have I ever done anything wrong to you? And Balaam, uh, without flinching, says, well, you're, I'm upset at you. And, and his impatient attitude, he should have noted it and then uh, changed his ways. But as was shared, he, he became a stumbling block to Israel. But he had a bad, impatient attitude. And then we have uh, King Saul. Do you remember what his first sin was? Or what kind of led to that? Anybody, anybody want to... Chuck, what say you? Well said. He said there, did not wait. I, I would say that King Saul was an impatient man. And then um, I also note here another interesting story. Uh, some years later in the book of Samuel, it was Absalom, the young prince... This is my final example of, while it's not the main point in Samuel, I mean, there's, there's a, it's a lot of history, but Absalom made a major mistake. When he wanted uh, Joab, to, the general, to come to him, uh, Joab refused two different times, and Absalom had enough of it. I dare say the young man was impatient, because after all, he's a prince. He's got skills, he's got uh, prestige, and this uh, general's not coming to him. So what does he decide to do? He burns the field of the, of the general, and that got him... Uh, that, did bring Joab there, but I wonder if that was the uh, factor in why later when Absalom was caught in a tree and who kills him is the very general whom he set fire to. Uh, I just I think this is an example of how uh, in the Bible we, have, we there could be other ones, many other ones you could find how kings were impatient. People in authority uh, in just rashness and impatient spirit towards others. Okay, well, that was the first thing Paul mentioned in, uh, going back to 1 Corinthians 13, about how charity suffereth long. Now we're going to get a positive one, and is kind. And kind, uh, by the way, the word charity is agape, and it, it, it really is, uh, it's interesting that charity and kindness seem to be synonyms here, but Paul does, he does say it. So he says, charity, or agape, suffereth long, and is kind. And what I wrote down here, for, I would just say, uh, let's see here. Um, love is more than a feeling. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Love is uh, not just feeling kind, it is being kind. Um, many of us were at a funeral a few days ago for 
Brother Ken Mast. Did you uh, feel like, I, as I did, how, how much emphasis there was on his love? You know, it, it wasn't about, you know, Ken, uh, instead of going to a fire call, he worked a few more hours on the trucking. And wasn't that great? He made more money. It was emphasizing more that I, that I heard it was how much he loved others. And that was a, a thing that we honored. When, when someone loves at the expense of themselves, that's, that's, that's kindness in action. And it's not just a feeling because many of us, we feel benevolent, we feel loving, but when it comes to action, uh, sometimes we just fall short because I think we, we can deceive ourselves into thinking that my feeling of love is, is sufficient. In other words, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pious, I'm, uh, I'm feeling kind, and that's good enough. And, and I think uh, Paul is uh, seeing something in the Corinthian church that maybe we need to work on ourselves too, is that love is greater than a feeling. And I just appreciate that fact about Brother Ken is, is his uh, love for other people and, and, and going to fire calls and helping basically strangers who couldn't pay him back. I mean, how many service calls did he do where nobody paid him back? And that was honoring to God. So amen for that. As, you, as you, uh, your life comes to an end, people will not remember how much money you made. Even though that seems to be so important in our, in our minds, it's actually the kindness you bestowed on others. And Paul was uh, underscoring this for the Corinthians. Who I think he saw that they were off track. So that's the, sec- the uh, let's call that a third point. Love is greater than a feeling. So we talked about uh, love is greater than skills. Uh, patient is huge, and love is more than a feeling. We'll go on and say, charity envieth not. This goes right into the problem of pride, doesn't it? If you don't, if you don't have pride but uh, have humility, then you will not struggle with envy. But doesn't that creep up? Isn't that such a, a powerful feeling uh, when somebody else gets credit or somebody else gets attention that you would have liked to get to gotten yourself? And in the midst of a Corinthian church where Paul, I think, saw this going on, uh, somebody may have uh, acted out of jealousy and, and there's uh, problems, and he says, Cherry envieth not. Joseph's brothers are a great example. Rather than um, being kind to their brother, they, they were envying their brother who, could have, who had these wonderful dreams. And later, of course, uh, they, they do change their ways. But... Uh, Envy is not part of the definition of love. So if you have envy in your heart, and young people too, if it's towards your brother or sister, realize that's actually the opposite of love. It's, it's, it's hating your, your precious brother or sister. And wouldn't that be sad if they were to die that night and it ended on you having some jealousy or envy? Oh, that'd be a shame, wouldn't it? Hey, can, can we just take a quick, like a 20-second intermission, just stand up and stretch a little bit while I uh, gather my thoughts here. Can we do that? Please, let's just stand up and get, get a different, uh, <laughs> some variety, and then I will get back to it. All right. We've got about 20 seconds, so countdown. If you have to stretch your muscles, do it. <laughs> Three. I should have more. All right. Brother Chad back there 
Would you do me a favor? Right behind you, there's a, a gospel track. It's called Man's Best Friend. Can you see that? Hold it up. It's uh, to your right a little more. It's on the bottom shelf. Yes, that one. Those of you who can see it, just hold it out there, Chad. I want, I want to point out something, and you might be wondering, where are we going with this now? But that's called Man's Best Friend. It's a, it's a dog track. It's a gospel track. And I asked my brother, he asked me, uh, he, he works at a creationist uh, ministry, and he said, do you want some of these? I said, oh, yeah. What I like about these is that most Americans are like dogs. You know, they, they have their pets. And a good question to ask ourselves is, why do uh, so many people like their doggies? And I think the answer is, uh, is very clear, because dogs are so friendly. <laughs> and they're so kind to their masters. But not only that, they're kind to strangers. And I was just l- looking a little bit, research on the Internet, which some of it was evolutionary, uh, unfortunately. But the uh, interesting question is, what, what is about do- why is it that dogs are this way? And so there's theories about, well, there's wolves that are more aggressive, dogs are more submissive, so dogs are trying to, are trying to be people pleasers. These explanations, explanations in my mind just fall short. But what I want to just give us some things to think about is how um, animals that we, uh, you know, like especially domestic animals, they can have traits that we can appreciate and even copy. Um, we just talked about um, a man who is buried in his selfless devotion for, for others. And some of our, my favorite dog stories are when dogs lay down their lives or, or rescue uh, a person in need. It's awesome. The, the love and the kindness, I uh, just wanted to us underscore that. And I have a, a few neat stories to uh, just for your consideration. And I, it just shows how, number one, how humans appreciate these characteristics. And number two, how God can even make animals as a, as a demonstration to us how important and wonderful love is. The year was 2017. A man in the state of Michigan had slipped in a, in a snowy uh, wilderness somewhere in Michigan. He broke his neck. For 19 hours, he laid down. He, he thought it was going to be over. Uh, the circumstances did not look good. But he had a pet, a golden retriever named Kelsey, who for 19 hours lay on top of him, keeping him from uh, dying of hyperthermia. And she uh, continued to bark to, to get people's attention. Eventually, they found the man. And this dog, for 19 hours, was a kind, loving pet to her owner. How about 2014? Oh, and by the way, uh, what that track talks about is the ability, and they, they wonder if only dogs had this ability, is to, with the two senses of auditory, the, the hearing and the sense, the seeing, uh, basically the dogs have the capacity not only to sense human emotion, but to have a desire to comfort the human being. 2014, a man was in his kitchen about ready to commit suicide. He had a gun, and he was, he was uh, very close to pulling the trigger. When at that same time, his puppy ran to him and licked his ear, and the man laughed. He felt there was some hope. His little puppy licking his ear. He changed his mind. He did not commit suicide, and he uh, credits the dog, this little puppy, to... Uh, and that, just the, it was, a, it was a, a Labrador pit bull mix, and he didn't commit suicide. The power of a, of a dog to comfort, and may we also uh, want to comfort others and be kind. Here's an interesting one, 2017. Uh, this dog is Sako, a king shepherd, uh, similar to, it looks like, looks like a German shepherd. Uh, a teenage boy was in a car accident. 
all the other pastors died, and he was left severely injured in the wilderness, uh, I believe British Columbia, for 40 hours. All his uh, loyal dog did was, uh, well, comfort him, protect him, help lead him to water. <laughs> and in the evening, uh, he reported uh, that the dog warded off uh, wild coyotes and saved his life from, from scavengers who would, who would have killed him. And for that, Sako was uh, given a Purina, like a hero award for uh, bravery. All right, moving on. We've got a few more, and then we'll go on back on to 1 Corinthians 13. The year was 2020. On Christmas Eve, a man named General Fuentes Revilla was driving in a dump site when he noticed a little dog barking. It was a neighborhood dog named Blackie, and he was curious what was going on with this. Uh, was something the matter? He followed the little dog, and it led him to an abandoned a baby wrapped in a towel. This baby had been abandoned, but the dog had alerted this uh, stranger to come to the aid of this uh, helpless baby. Would have died as to exposure. That was a, not sure which state that was. Perhaps it was Georgia, if I remember correctly. All right, moving on. We got to see here. I'll end with this one. It was 1976. Uh, the Carlson family had uh, found a dog come to their door. It was uh, during uh, Christmas season, and they decided to take it in. It was a stray dog, part German Shepherd. They loved the dog. It was a great pet. And five years later, in 1981, one night, smoke was filling the house. Uh, this, the husband had a lung condition. He, both the husband and the wife were asleep, and they, left, they would leave the door open for the German Shepherd to go out to, to use the bathroom. The dog sensed something was wrong. The, the house was filled with smoke. The selfish gene should have kicked in, and the dog should have ran out and <laughs> got safety. Instead, the dog did something very remarkable. Uh, it went to the door. Only one way to get to his uh, owner's bedroom was through a, a locked door. And what all this dog did was scratch, claw, and bite his way to literally go through the door. They found later uh, splinters in its, in its jaw. It had bit through the door. Otherwise, the uh, couple would have died. Ran in and alerted the older couple, and uh, the wife got out. They, they got out the window, but the man had fallen behind. He had a lung condition. He was sickly. Again, the dog did not uh, simply leave him, but came back and, at the risk of its own life, rescued the, the man. And they, they just the way that the story ended was uh, he returned the Christmas gift. It was around the same time of year, around Christmas time, that this uh, German shepherd uh, saved his owners. And there are scores of examples of dogs laying down their lives. And, of course, how much more valuable is it when we see people do that in love with kindness? And we can do that, too, on a daily basis towards our friends and family members. Uh, so moving along here, that was kindness. The Corinthians need to be reminded of kindness. They need to be reminded not to have envy. And... Shouldn't surprise us, vaunteth not itself. I found this interesting, too, that vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. Seem to be similar things. Don't be prideful. And this one's a, this is a tough one to, to look past. We have a prejudice. Do we not, if we just were honest with ourselves, that we tend to uh, think our own traits are better than everybody else's? We tend to think that our own weaknesses are not as bad as everybody else's. Oh, don't let that prejudice you. Let's, let's take to heart here, brothers and sisters, this uh, challenge from Paul 
Don't vaunt love. Love does not vaunt itself and is not puffed up. Be humble, right? Moving on along here in verse 5. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. I guess that's what we expect out of love. We mentioned these, uh, these uh, rescue dogs, these, these heroic dogs that save their owners. They're not seeking their own. They're, they're seeking their own life, the welfare of their master. Is not easily provoked. I've got another story from the Bible. Maybe, maybe you've thought of it before too, but three wise, uh, seemingly godless men, I'm sorry, not godless, godly men, though they did something, they made the mistake, but they were uh, great spiritual counselors. They came to a man in, in desperate need. And for a while, they did, they did really well. They sat with them. But these three wise men, I would argue, made some major mistakes. They got easily provoked to the most blameless man. I don't think they realized it, but God was demonstrating to Satan, this is my man. And these three men missed the boat. Why does it... Why did they do that? Well, was it because of their irritation at Job? If you notice, I think it was, uh, it, it was Zilpah who said, How long must we put up with your words, Job? I mean, these are some spiritual men, but they should have taken to heart the, the uh, admonition to not be easily provoked. I think they knew better, and God did uh, correct them later, and Job forgave them, but... Love is not easily provoked. Something that Zophar, Bil, Bildad, and um, Eliphaz, yes, those three. I, I said the other one wrong. Okay, moving along here. We looked at is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. It's going to be hard to do much internet research this day, these days without coming across some um, uh, immodest pictures, uh, bad stuff to corrupt your mind. So please, uh, as we think of this chapter 13, uh, take to heart that it is at your fingertips. Really, if you carry your phone on you, uh, very close to you, and um, be vigilant. I'm not going to, you know, I... Don't know what sites you look at, what your uh, interests all are, but we do well to uh, think about how love is uh, not thinking on evil, as Paul tells us here. So he, he must have seen that being a problem in the Corinthian church, or he at least wants to remind them in verse 5 there. And as I said earlier, you can, you can just note how some of these are, are, are negative things, like love is not this. Uh, we saw kindness as a positive, but it's not this. And moving along here. Oh, I, I also want to note, too, how uh, Paul starts with patience. But did you notice, too, how easily provoked is, is lack of patience as well? So there's another thing on patience. And, and remember that this week and through really uh, our whole lives. Let's be patient people. Elsewhere in 1 Thessalonians, Paul exhorts us to be patient towards all men. And so that, 
is a good, good thing. How about verse, uh, verse 6? Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. I want to hone in a little bit on this as regarding our speech. We are told by Brother James, If any man seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. If I, Josh, seem to be religious, and bridled not my tongue, but deceive my own heart, I can't even blame Satan on this one. It's all on me. My religion is vain. Oh, how easy it is to say foolish things, mean things, naughty things, cuss words. It is as easy as it rolled off your tongue. The, the many regrets I have in life are things that just float off my tongue. And, and Jesus said it came from your heart. So you can't say, well, eh, didn't mean to. The tongue's acting on its own. Yes, it's called a restless evil, reckless evil, full deadly poison, but it is, uh, it's all on us. Paul calls it the, the poison of asps under, asps is under their tongue. ASP, anger, selfishness, pride. These are the uh, enemies of love. And I think we do well to see how the tongue can be, give, can be used for a love and kindness or can be used for cursing, meanness, unkindness, critical attitudes. Um, if you're called a critical person, by the way, um, I'm going to say it's because of this right here. Um, usually... We don't go around saying, yeah, this person's critical. The way he looked at me. No, it's what he says. Same with patience, too. Yeah, this person's impatient. How do you know that? Well, because of the way he said something, right? It tends to be in our speech that we get known for being impatient or, or critical. But it doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. And why does James uh, tell us that? Because isn't that the case? Some sins, are, because they don't seem so big, can trip us up. They deceive us. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called a deception. I mean, um, we don't read in the Bible the deception of murder. I mean, that could, I think people can be deceived by some of those things, but the, it's what we call the little stuff that we've got to watch out for. In fact, if you want to try something, uh, rather than asking yourself, let's say, am I, am I patient or impatient? Nah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty patient. You, you, you and I do well to ask a more objective party. Well, who's that, Brother Josh? The, everybody else here. Ask your husband, ask your wife, ask your brother, ask your sister. Am I a patient person or am I an impatient person? Am I critical or not critical? Why is that important? Because we're prejudiced. We naturally think we are better than what we are. And uh, a more objective person would be a, a, a hearer of your words. I remember telling a man, hey, be patient with me. And you know what his answer was? I am being very patient with you. Well, we both couldn't be right. One of us was wrong. Uh, one of us was right that either he was really impatient or he was very patient. Who, who do you think had the better view, the, the speaker or the hearer? How many think it was the hearer had a better uh, way to figure out? A few hands. Well, if you think it was the other guy, I would just challenge you that it, the, the person who speaks it is probably uh, less likely to be right than the listener to your speech. And don't feel, you know, don't feel threatened if, uh, if you find out, oh, no, somebody said I was critical. I didn't know that. Hey, this is an opportunity for you to grow. You're supposed to grow in love. Uh, as Brother Jonathan shared, love is the most important thing. So as uh, skillful, as insightful, as smart as you are, 
love is more important. And, and uh, get feedback from your brothers and sisters. I think Paul wants that to happen when he talks about the gifts being used. All right, moving along here. So when we rejoice not in iniquity, let's think about our tongues. To not uh, like evil things, uh, that would, I just want to pinpoint anger, selfishness, and pride. If we hate these things for what they really are, then we won't rejoice in them. And includes our speech. Rejoice in the truth. So love is not, love is not antithetical to the truth. The love and the truth go together. Love beareth all things, and there is another uh, admonition from Paul, I think, it points to patience. So we are getting a dose of patience in our discipleship here, and um, that's great. Hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether they be, there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Uh, the impression I get here from this passage is that uh, when we get to heaven and, and the new heavens and new earth, uh, these gifts will not be necessary because we'll have a, uh, a, a more wonderful relationship with our, with our God. And, oh, that's exciting. But in the meantime, we do have these gifts. Paul's not saying these gifts are bad. He's just saying love is more important. Please, you know, do not take this passage to mean that truth is not important or gifts aren't important. It's just that love is more important. Because Paul said, covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And then we're going to end with the final exhortation. In our, that'd be like our fourth point here as we uh, get near wrapping it up. Paul goes on to say in verse 9, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And I believe this is talking about the second coming of Jesus. Verse 11, When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Could it be that some childish things you need to get rid of is anger, selfishness, pride, and patience? Oh, yes, I think so. I don't think you're too old enough to get some uh, challenges on that. Uh, it, it, it is a sneaky thing. As James said, it, it's deceitfulness. So watch out. There's a deceitfulness of unbelief, uh, thinking that these things aren't really that bad when they are. Verse 12, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. So this, this chapter ends on a very positive note. I mean, the whole thing is positive, but it ends on a, a note of hope and encouragement that one day we will have uh, just a, a great time in heaven with, with love being the, as the song says, with love the only rule. I like that. So we can make a, like the golden rule. It should be our daily rule. And that leads me to my final point. Let Jesus disciple you daily in this passage. I think we, sh we can benefit from what that uh, minister who had to read it every single day. And maybe you don't need uh, every single day, but how about weekly? How about monthly? To, to refresh it, to keep afresh the importance of love and its practical uh, aspects. Uh, one, that it's more important than your skills that you have. Number two, uh, it is uh, very heavily tied to patience. And number three, that it's more important than feelings, that it manifests itself in practical things and and fourth is uh, just that we should follow after it. Follow after charity, Paul ends. This is in chapter 14 here, verse 1. But it's, it's tied to this thought here. Well, let me read verse 13, then we'll go to 14. We'll, we'll end it there. And now abide of faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. 
follow after charity. Every single one of us, we need to follow after it. So that tells me it's a, it's a daily choice. And in fact, it might be a moment-by-moment -moment choice to follow after. So uh, let Jesus disciple you. Let others exhort you. Exhort yourself. Do it on a daily basis. Well, Josh, why is that important? It's important as it is in baseball for a coach to tell you, keep your eye on the ball. And the batter can say, well, of course I know that. Why did you need to remind me? I, I know you've got to keep your eye on the ball. If I don't, I'll, I'll swing and miss. Or it's important as the uh, football coach who was telling the players, you've got to block and tackle. And then players, oh, of course I know that. Uh, you don't need to remind me, but actually we do need to be reminded. It's just that important. I think that's why Scripture is there, to daily remind us to follow after charity because the deceitfulness of our, uh, shall we say, uncircumcised flesh, uh, we, we need to circumcise it daily, uh, really, as Brother Dale shared a few weeks ago on the importance of circumcising the heart. And that is something that is very important to do. So even, uh, I would just encourage you to memorize this chapter. And of course, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Again, don't just think, well, I feel love because uh, I read this chapter today. I feel love because I memorized it. I feel love because I would think that I would love somebody if, if it really came down to it. I would help somebody out. Actually, you're supposed to put it in action and, and let it flow through you. So patience, kindness, uh, greater than feelings. These are all uh, wonderful aspects of love, and, and it's greater than any skills you have. Your skills are important. You have different gifts that, you can that are valuable to the body, but let it be done with love. Let's bow our heads in prayer, then we'll be done. Father, thank you for the love chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. And thank you also for the challenge, too, that earlier to have the fruits, the, all the fruit of the Spirit flowing through our lives and just help each person here to really, when it said uh, when it, at our graves one day that we were people who were loving. Um, if we were to die today, would we be known as a critical person, impatient person, or would we be known as people who are uh, loving, kind, super patient, super gentle with our speech, rejoicing not in evil but in, but in the truth, uh, not vaunting ourselves, not puffing ourselves up, not uh, envying others, just such petty things. And yet we cultivate these things every single day for or against love. Uh, help us to spur each other on, not in a heavy-handed way, but just as uh, reminders like keeping our eye on the ball. Uh, basic stuff in Christianity, to have love uh, be our daily rule. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.